Thank you, Leslie and Paul. And let's take our Bibles this afternoon and turn. No, it's not this afternoon. It's this morning. Wow! I thought I was through that. I thought I was through that. Let's turn to chapter Mark, chapter of Mark 15, and let's uh, take a reading to that. Mark chapter 15, and we'll begin at verse one. Mark 15:1. And straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered, saying unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus, he had answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that hath made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will you that I release unto you the king of the Jews? But he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. Pilate answered and said unto them, What will you then that I should do unto him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word and Let us just bow for prayer before we begin our study. Father God, we come with anticipation today. We're thankful that we have been given the Word, the living Word of God. As we've read these these verses, seeing the living Word, Jesus Christ Himself, the Christ, the Anointed One, on His way to complete His journey to solve man's problems. By faith, we accept that gift of grace, the greatest gift of all time that Jesus Christ afforded for us. Father, these moments that are before us quiet our hearts, our minds. May you have all of us direct our thoughts, take us where you want us to be, allow us to see you more clearly than ever. We'll ask that the Holy Spirit would be our sole and exclusive teacher today. Father, forgive us for those sins those things that keep us from being more of what you want us to be. Father, we're here for you now. Take us where you want us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we're getting closer to the end of this journey that we've seen, the passion. It's actually, we, we, were, we started before that. We were looking at the power of Jesus Christ over demons, disease, death, Almost over every, well, not almost, over everything imaginable. He was in control at all times. Um, It's hard to say the turn of events, the public opinion, and those that have, Judas particularly, willing to betray Jesus Christ. Uh, It it seems unbelievable. Uh, There is a passage that I I think we'll go to, but we'll just, somebody remind me, Matthew chapter 27. We want to take a look, not not now, but I I want you to see honestly that 
Judas Iscariot did not want Jesus Christ dead. He did not want him condemned. He was ticked off, but it was amazing. And it's a lot of people today across the world. Power and money drive for various reasons to do stupid things. Judas Iscariot was bound by money. He was, told, well, in, in, the Timothy, in Timothy it says, the root of all evil is money. The love of money, not, not money, the love of money. Judas Iscariot, sitting around that table on that night, didn't even realize the depths of which his betrayal would take him. Ultimately, to his death. He had no living faith. We talked about that last week with Peter. Peter had a living faith of which he was restored. Jesus prayed for him, that his faith would not fail. Remember that? It's kind of a concluding verse that we had. Jesus literally prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. Your faith, if it's in Jesus Christ, is unfailable because you are His. Great news. Great news. Particularly now we're looking at this season. We, uh, Leslie played Christmas hymns. Approaching the birth, you're anticipating the birth of Jesus. And it's amazing our journey in Mark has brought us to literally the culmination of his birth. In fact, he said, for this I was born. He tells Pilate, we'll see that. Did we read that today? It was in John. I, there, it, it, some of those parallel passages overlap. But he said, for this reason I was born, and this is why I came to earth. And speaking of his humanity and his deity. He's here for a reason. We're seeing now within hours of a completion of his journey. It's uh, the time frame right now of which we've read is approximately, well, where it starts, and we're going to find the end trial, the last one of the Jewish trials, is probably about 5 a.m. Uh, so we're in that very early morning on Friday. This is the last day Jesus will be physically living. This is the last day of his life physically on earth. Before death, I should say it that way. The third trial that the Jews brought before him, it had to have some semblance of legality. So far, they've done everything illegal, everything illegal. There's been no accusations that, that stuck. There was nothing, 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 nothing. Well, let's go back to uh, Luke chapter 22 for a moment, and we will find that in Mark chapter 15, it took us right to Pilate. It was straightway in the morning. But let's go back to Luke chapter 22, and we'll find, in fact, that the, the final caption, if you will, of the Jews trying to be some sense legal that they are concluding that, and we'll find that in chapter 22 of Luke, verse 66. Now, in this, the other thing that I, I, I haven't read and, or haven't made note of is there's this overview of the punishment and the, the I'm going to just say the cruelty that is unleashed on Jesus Christ. Uh, let, so let's even take a step back. Uh, here we go. The Garden of Gethsemane. Now that to me, that is the pinnacle. I, hopefully I, pr- I portrayed that to you in this study. The Garden of Gethsemane is the pinnacle of Jesus Christ making his decision to go to the cross. That is literally when he made the final conclusive decision, yes, I'm going to do the Father's will. That's where he perspired with drops of blood. I have a condition that we can't even possibly really understand. That was where he made his decision. From that point, we know that things just tailed away or spiraled what seemed to spiral out of control, and yet it didn't go out of control. God was fully and completely in control. But as he left the Garden of Gethsemane by force, he was bound, he was captured, so we say captured, whatever that that, that word means. But they would have come to him at approximately around midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. 
Then we know that he went to, to the first place was to Annas, to the high priest, the former high priest, kind of the one that's overarching. He's the power behind it all. He was to come with an accusation so that Caiaphas had all of his work done for him. Then they would set it up with the Sanhedrin, and he is gone. That's, that's the way it works. So he hits Annas's place to begin with, and Annas doesn't know what to do with him because they, they can't even get witnesses to come together jointly to say, yes, he said this, and this is horrible, and I can't believe it. Then they drag him off to Caiaphas' house, which was, again, as we described, there's this uh, probably uh, the high priest's house, which would have been a large rectangular uh, compound. I would say that in the middle of that was this courtyard, which we talked about Peter being within that. And there would have been houses for each of his family of the high priesthood that would have been in that area. Well, he would have went from Annas' to Caiaphas' house. The Sanhedrin members would have been there. This is, again, in the middle of the night, totally illegal, completely illegal. By the time that the conclusion of Jesus's, what should we say, his indictment, his final verdict, uh, was when Jesus was being led back out of Caiaphas's house through the courtyard when Peter had denied him three times. As Jesus turned to look at him, that look must have been something. But then for the next, which would have been approximately that three o'clock in the morning, for the next two hours... What we're going to read in Luke is what took place, the beating of Jesus. Luke chapter 22, verse 63. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. That's beat him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many things other blasphemies spake they against him. That took place for approximately two hours. Remarkable. Now, if you would have seen Jesus, as he would have appeared before Pilate, he would have been the least likely to look like the king of anything because he would have not cleaned up. He was not washed. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane. That was that whole episode. His, blood, or his, his clothing would have been blood-stained. It would have been, he would have looked remarkably distorted and even from the sense of appearing as a man. All of the punishment, even to this point, before he would have scourged. That's the Jesus. Now, on a, by the way, no accusations. Literally. Well, that's where we find ourselves now. In verse 66, they take him to the place of where the Sanhedrin would meet. And as soon as it was day, in other words, we're going to have some semblance of, of, of legality. It's probably about 5 o'clock in the morning. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And, and if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of the... Uh, I'm sorry. On the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, You say that I am. And they said, What need we any further witnesses? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. Zoom. They're done. He's guilty. It's, it's over. It's completely finished. He is, he's out of here. Back to Mark chapter 15. And straightway in the morning, verse 1, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. Just read that. That was the first, that was the third time that they had met in, in taking Jesus from the Jewish perspective and dooming him. They bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. Why do they need to go to Pilate? Who is Pilate, by the way? Who is this guy? He's the governor of of Jerusalem particularly, and he's in town. 
shall we say. It wasn't his place of abode. He actually liked to live at Caesarea, which was a, a Herod-built... I want to take a step back for just a second in Herod. Uh, the Herod family, now I'm telling you what, those guys were builders. They were builders. They used Rome's money to build stuff. They built a lot of stuff. They were building the temple. They're, they're trying to appease, shall we say, those that did not believe that the Herod family should have been in control. Because they shouldn't have been. But nonetheless, they were builders. Well, that, well, that town... Laramie, do you have... Uh, just maybe put up the temple again. That will, will suffice with that. But there was, a, there was a place on the coast called Caesarea. And that's where Pilate hung out most of the time. That was, he was closer to the coast. It wasn't directly... Um, it wasn't even close to Jerusalem. But being Passover... This would have been a place that Herod, I'm sorry, that Pilate and Herod, as it turned out, were both in town, which uh, I think is kind of unique. Uh, think of the timing of this for a moment. Now, if you're a, if you're a, a high priest, uh, you don't want to be one of those, but just for a second, let's say you are one. Uh, what we, now we've got, now we've done our thing. We, we, we've condemned Jesus. He needs to die. Now, how would he die if he would have been condemned by a Jew? What would be his form of death? Stoning. Now, if you go back to Luke chapter 4, I'm not, don't do that, you can put it in your notes. But if you go back to Luke chapter 4, there was a time in which they tried to stone Jesus. I mean, they weren't waiting for a Roman governor to give them permission to stone him. Think of later in Acts, remember the stoning of Stephen? It's still Roman control. That mob just took him out, right? Uh, what, what, so what's going on here? I mean, why, okay, so why do, they want to, why do they want to be legal now? Everything's been illegal, illegal so far. What would make them want to be legal today? I mean, they, they've held their Sanhedrin at the break of the morning, and everything's good. And oh, let's run him down to the to Pilate. Let's get the Roman. Th- because you know, honestly, I still say this: they are so amazingly afraid of the crowd. They don't want to be responsible for the execution. They're they're okay with saying the sentencing. They're okay with that because that's what they're coming. They have to come with an accusation before Pilate. And it's interesting. Do you see what they've said? They condemned the Sanhedrin. Was blasphemy? He says, "Son of God." Okay, well, let's keep, I should have held you in, uh, look, look at this. Uh, hold your place in Mark, we'll be right back. But go to Luke chapter 23 and look at this. Just in the distance of where they held their meeting to the praetorium where Pilate was at. Uh, let's see, I got to get there. Luke chapter 23. And, and let's take a look at this. Luke 23 verse 1. The whole multitude of them arose. That would be the Sanhedrin. The whole group of that Jewish supreme court, if you will, and led him unto Pilate. And they began, verse 2, they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow pervert. No, what? Wait. What did they just accuse him of? Blasphemy, correct? They're saying perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes or tribute to the Caesar, saying he himself is Christ the king. What? (laughs) What is this about? It's a totally different thing. It's a total layout of... Well, you know, you know how much that Pilate or the Romans would care about Jesus saying that he is Messiah? Zero. <laughs> Absolutely zero. So they've got to, what do they want? They want an execution, and they want someone else to bear the brunt of it. They want the soldiers of Rome to be able to back up what they want to do to Jesus Christ. They are so afraid of a riot. And did you notice, maybe you won't see it, but in John particularly, it says that literally Pilate is jumping way ahead now, but keeping the riot in mind. Pilate releases Jesus because he's afraid of a riot of the crowd for not crucifying him. (laughs) How can this be? This is the epitome of the depths of the evilness of a human heart. It is so amazing to me. I, I look across this world today. It is no different than it was then. 
What would happen to Jesus Christ if he would land on planet Earth today, physically, in form, born in a manger, whatever, born in Hotel 6, whatever? I mean, the poorest place, like, you, you see what I'm saying? What would happen? They would kill him. They would absolutely kill Jesus Christ today. They'd miss him for who he is. And the rationalizations would blow our minds. Pilate is on trial today. It's not Jesus before Pilate. Pilate's before Jesus. Right? And Pilate had some sense of justice. You know, we'll find that as we continue on, that he was concerned about, well, what, did, what did he do? See, he's the judge. Now, that governor had several tasks. One was to collect taxes. He was to make sure the taxes were collected. And the other was to judge, from a Roman standpoint, things that were very important. That, that, that. So he's, he's in a rightful place. And at 6, 6 a.m. in the morning, they're probably, uh, let's see here. Da, da, da. Now, it says praetorium. Oops, I'm on the wrong side. I think it, no, there it is. It says praetorium right here. This is Herod's palace. It's probably a like, more likelihood that it was probably around the Antonian fortress because that's where those soldiers would have, been, would have been sent out from. Now, keep in mind, Pilate is not naive to this whole thing. Pilate is very tuned in because they could have not taken those Roman soldiers to the Garden of Gethsemane unless Pilate would have allowed it. He knows a lot more that's going on than he is literally acknowledging. He's asking for more information in the sense of accusing this person. What did he do wrong? He's, he's let 600 potential Roman soldiers to go to a garden to get a guy. This is really weird, isn't it? It's really weird. Let's go back to John for a moment. John chapter 18. John chapter 18. And as you're doing that, I, I, well, let's go to John 18. Put your finger there and then go on to Acts chapter 2. This is, this is amazing. We have got some really bad guys that have been risen to the top. Judas, Annas, Caiaphas, Herod. And now we've got Pilate. He's entered the scene. Look at this, though. Roman, or Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and verse 22. Peter is preaching at Pentecost. He says this, You men of Israel, hear these words. This is Acts 2.22. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. He did everything that was necessary, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Regardless of these men that have risen again in all sinful heart, their, their heart is the depths of sin. Literally, do you still, still see that? It was determined beforehand that God set this plan up. Thankfully, thankfully, they were responsible. And then turn over to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verses 27, 28. For of a truth, Acts 4, 27. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, this is a, they're praying to God actually, it starts in verse 23, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together and to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. You see, there was not one moment that God was not in control, even though it looked horrifying. In America today, it looks as bad as you could make it. And you know what? God is still fully in control. There's nothing that is beyond what he is orchestrating to bring glory to himself ultimately. It's very precarious, but he's in charge. I, I can't imagine how precarious it must have looked to everyone that was surrounding Jesus right now. How about Jesus' mother, Mary? This is not looking good. And what did my boy do wrong, right? 
What did, what did Jesus, the man, my son, what did he do wrong? Nothing. Nothing. Falsely accused. Well, here before Pilate. Back to, see, I told you to go to John. Let's take the John account. That we'll find in John chapter 18. Go back there. I know, I left you with your fingers there, didn't I? Yes, sir. Let's go to verse 28. Verse 28, John chapter 18. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early. And they themselves went out, went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, and that they might eat the Passover. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. That is hypocrisy on exhibition. So, now, they falsely accused a man. They've held trials at night illegally. They've, they've, it is just, it's a railroad job. Now they go, oh, for, we, we cannot enter this because Gentiles live here. We can't go in there. Or we wouldn't be able to partake of the Passover this afternoon. <laughs> Wowzers, right? This is crazy. That's hypocrisy. And not seeing any of it, they, they couldn't, even, couldn't even get a sense of it. So Pilate went out to them, verse 29, and said, What accusation bring you against this man? You know, I'm here, I'm the judge. So you, you can't just bring someone and, and, and uh, condemn him. They, listen, how they, listen how they answer that question. They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor or a criminal, we would not have delivered him up to you. In other words, you don't trust us? <laughs> and by the way, the answer to that is no, they didn't trust each other. There was a real war between the Jewish priests, particularly, the, the religious leaders, say it that way, of Israel and, and Pilate. They had crossed paths before, which is the real reason that Pilate is held to a level of blackmail. I, I'll say it no other way. They literally owned Pilate. Even though, he was, even though Jesus was innocent, even though he tried repeatedly to release him, they had Pilate, they being the religious leaders in the palm of their hand. He had on numerous occasions been taken to the task. He had brought, and his first thing is being governor, which he was a governor of, uh, of this region for about 10 years ultimately. In, in AD 36, which had been about six years later, he was actually banished uh, to Gaul and killed himself. He committed suicide. It's amazing the ones that were the closest to Jesus that refused to accept him. Their lives ended pretty abruptly. Judas Iscariot. I told you I was going to go there. I don't know if, I got to go back there soon, but not now. So let's talk about Pilate some more. So Pilate himself, he had, uh, he had ridden into Jerusalem with uh, flags, banners, if you will. And on the banner was a bust of Caesar with an eagle, which you go in, and was placed actually into this, uh, right here, into this palace where it says Praetorium there. I think there's, I think my battery's about dead. Anyway, it is dead. Anyway, as he put those into that, this is why Herod, it said, did we read that today, that Herod and Pontius Pilate, after Herod sent him back to Pilate, they became friends from that day forward. If we didn't read it, it's in John, but we'll get to it probably. And you're saying, well, what was that all about? Well, you know, leave it to old Pilate. He took some shields that had images, uh, had names of people that were to be honored, which again, the Jews saw as idols, and he placed them in Herod Antipas's palace, in his house. Pilate, not Pilate's house, in Herod's house, without him knowing or being told. He really liked that. The Jewish people went crazy. In fact, they followed uh, Pilate all the way back to Caesarea. For five days, we're revolting. We're really literally in Pilate's face. And he finally says, let's go to the amphitheater. 
And that is a huge place in Caesarea, built again by Herod. And he puts, he lays it out. He said, if you guys don't knock it off, I'm going to slay you right here in this place. And they called his bluff. They literally, as they say, they bare their necks. And they probably called, you go, you go right ahead. You see how that works out for you. Called his bluff, and he was in deep trouble with Rome. He had a backup. So what do you think that relationship's like? It is batting heads. They are not liking one another. Nor is Herod, Antipas, in Pilate's court. All of these enemies become friends to destroy Jesus Christ. And isn't that how the world is? That's how the world is. Well, here we go. Back to John, and we'll take a look. Don't you trust us? We brought him to you. Then said Pilate unto them, verse 31, Take you him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Which, by the way, is true. The Romans had taken that away. But did you see what he just did? Pilate wants out. He said, you guys go ahead and do with him whatever you want. Here's my permission. Now, he could do that. He could say, you guys deal with him any way you want. Why didn't they do it? Now, they said, because we have to have an executioner. They're trying to get out of the, what we would call the riotous potential behavior of the people. We think we're in deep trouble. But there's another reason, a more serious reason. There's someone today that would read the Bible and about prophecy, and they'll say, well, that won't ever happen. I mean, the second coming. They've been talking about that forever. I want to show you something, because right now the Jews had the right, because uh, Pilate gave them the right, to stone Jesus Christ. They didn't do it, because God is still in control. Look what Jesus said back in John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Just turn back a few pages. John chapter 12, verse 32. And we'll think about the implications of this if, in fact, Jesus had been stoned and not done what he said. John chapter 12. Now, this is actually just after his triumphal entry. This would have been on like a Monday of which he entered the city. He would have been crowned king, if you will. So let's take a step back into verse 27. I'm just going to go right there. I have that verse circled because this is a beginning of the pinnacle of Jesus making his mind up to literally follow through everything that he had come to do. Now, verse Verse 27, chapter 12. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. You, do, you, do you see the, the position he's in? The, Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said it thundered, and others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world, and now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, what's verse 32? And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, and will draw all men unto me. And this he said, signifying what death he should die. Now that's on record. He said that. And literally, that's how Satan will be destroyed. Now, if he was stoned, do you know what we just made of Jesus the Messiah? He's a loser. He's done. He's, he's, there's nothing there. It's all fraud. Again, I wouldn't be here. I can't have a Messiah. I can't have a, a, a Savior that lies, that cannot be held completely, 100%, unequivocally perfect. Did you see how God is fully and completely in control? It's amazing. Uh, Pilate gave them everything. Pilate wanted nothing. You know, they, there's that passage in John where he... He washes his hands. Oh, no, no buddy, you're, you're guilty just as all of them. Because the question that Pilate had, was asking, was being asked as he stood before Jesus, not Jesus standing before him, was this. What is right? What is the right thing to do here? Those are questions that are asked of us every day. 
inside, right? What's the right thing to do? Is this what I should do? What is the right thing? Now, do you know what Pilate said? What's the easy thing to do? How do I get out of this? What does the crowd want? (laughs) Right? And literally, Pilate made the wrong choice. He chose wrong. Is it safe? Is it right or is it safe? Oh, what a deal. What a deal. But we know that Jesus did, in fact, die on a cross. We know that that was where Satan's power was broken. Let's go to, back to John and uh, let's continue there. John 18 is what I should have said. You're already in John. Uh, he said, take him and judge him according to your law. You guys just take over. I, I don't want, no, no. They said, no, no. It's not lawful for us to put any man to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. We just went back into, into, Luke, into John to see that, how important that really is. Now, again, there's, there's, there's this, this thing that we've, I guess I never noticed it until we really got into the study. This is where I probably want to go back to Matthew chapter 27 now. But before we do, let's think about this. Um, it says that Satan entered into Judas Iscariot at the Last Supper, the last time they were together, correct? Okay. And, and I have, for a lot of my years, I just felt, well, yeah, that's to get Jesus to the cross, get him killed. I don't believe that. I absolutely do not believe that. And I don't believe that Judas Iscariot wanted Jesus dead either. Jesus dead either. But let's find that in the Scriptures to find that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27, and let's read verses 1 through 10. This is like last week we looked at, meanwhile, back at Peter's camp. Meanwhile, back at the courtyard, as Jesus is being falsely accused and on trial illegally, here's what's going on now in Matthew chapter 27 in regards to the trials and a different J or a different disciple, and it's Judas. Let's start in verse 1. This is the same passage we're dealing with. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. That's the one that started at 5 o'clock in the morning. That's the Sanhedrin. That was the one that was done at the break of dawn before they took him to Pilate, which happens in verse 2. When they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Okay, at this point, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I'm going to show you what Judas thought. Verse 3. Watch this carefully. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, make no mistake who it was, when he saw that he, Jesus, was condemned, that he's going to die, that he's going to be put to death. Now, the word there is repented, but it's not the word repented in the sense of turning around. It's one that means remorse or regret. That's what that word means. He was remorseful. He was regretting himself. He brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. In other words, I didn't want it to go this far. I never thought for a second that you guys would kill him. I thought you just wanted him put away. You just wanted to take him away. And then you know what happened. Ultimately, he went and hung himself. And he wasn't very good at that even. Because if you go to Acts chapter 1, verse 18, you'll find that literally, whether it was right out at the hanging or afterwards, it was for a while, but that branch or whatever he was hanging from broke, and he actually fell on the rocks and was completely... I don't know, there's not a good way to say it, but he really just exploded, literally. But wait a minute, come back to that for a moment. Judas, what drove him to betray Jesus? Well, you know that, right? He loves money. 
He loves money. He's the treasure. He's stealing. He's a thief. In fact, that night, remember when Mary, the sister of Lazarus, would have anointed Jesus, poured the whole, I mean, broke the, the top off of this expensive spike nard. I mean, like a year's salary's worth, dumps on his head, and, and he is just furious. Is he furious with Jesus? Yeah, he is. Because Jesus is not getting done the program that Judas wants so that Judas can be wealthy for the rest of his life. But I want to show you how sinister sin is. And Judas Iscariot, no one names their... People don't even name their dogs Judas, right? (laughs) right? But I want you to see how easy it is to cross that line. Judas didn't want Jesus dead. Judas wanted power and he wanted money. And I'm convinced after walking with Jesus for three years, watching Jesus never, ever not be in control of any situation, I think Judas wanted to put pressure on. And by the way, make some money on the side, 30 pieces of silver. Do you think he would have sold him if he thought he was going to die? I don't believe that. That's what happened. That's what the Scripture said. Again, the Scripture will always be fulfilled. I want to say that as loudly and clearly as possible. If it's in the Bible, it will happen, regardless of circumstances. I'm convinced that mankind will not blow up this planet from nuclear arms because God's going to burn this planet when He's going to burn this planet. And climate change will not happen until God changes the climate because that's what's in the book. Right? And Judas Iscariot, I don't believe, wanted Jesus dead because the Bible says he didn't. But what he did want is he wanted enough pressure on Jesus that finally Jesus would take over and blow the Romans away and take charge and the kingdom would come. That's what Judas wanted. Now think of this for a moment. In our own lives, how often do we try to manipulate or try to get God to do it our way. That's literally what Judas Iscariot did, was trying to get Jesus to do it his way. Peter did it as well, but Peter had a saving faith. He trusted Jesus Christ as Messiah. Judas never did. Judas loved money. Money was the Messiah to Judas. That's why he will be eternally in hell. Peter loved the Messiah. Where's your love? Again, do you see the, you see the, 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 ah, the incredible dis, uh, despicableness of love for money, right? But the other part of this is, if, if Judas really didn't want that, if he was just betraying Jesus to be in the hands of all of these people and finally Jesus would just break away and it would just happen, I believe that's the same thing that Satan wanted. Satan does not want Jesus to be on that cross. Satan heard Jesus say that in John chapter 12, verse 32, that it would be, let's read it again. I'm going to go back. John chapter 12, let's read it one more time. Now, not only the fact that he'd be raised above the ground, but it says what happens before that. John chapter 12, verse 31. The judgment of, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Who is that? Satan knows who that is, just as we do. I will be lifted above the ground and all men will come to me. Again, how did, let's go back, let's see how Satan likes to work. He's actually very predictable. But let's take Job for a moment. What was his game plan with Job? Comes to God, right? 
he's got, and Job is, he, he must be something because he brings attention to God. And Satan says, or God, God says, he says, have you noticed my servant Job? If God puts a thumb up, I think he did for Job. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. And, of course, Satan, oh, pff, well, for goodness sakes, if you quit giving him everything he needs or wants, why wouldn't he be on your side? Take the stuff away and he'll curse you. Right? And he stripped it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he said, well, you know, skin for skin. You, you touch him. You take him. You, you beat up on him. You make his life miserable and he will curse you. Go ahead, but don't take his life. Right? Where it got in trouble was Job had friends. They came and said, well, you, Job, there's something secret going on. You're sinning somewhere. There's a little secret going on. You're the real problem where God wouldn't do that to you. Right? That's, that story sells every day. Something's going wrong in somebody's life. You must have a problem. There's something wrong. And so Job starts to, right, turn around and defend himself, loses focus. And at the end, then God comes on the scene, does not explain why any of it happened. Did you notice that? Not one point. That's why, to me, a why is a question that should not ever be. It's not worthy of asking. It, it, it puts you in the wrong position because it, it, it spotlights yourself. But what he does do is God shows him how great he is. And that's when Job really falls down and repents, if you will, and says, you alone are God. But did you see how Satan was trying to do it? It failed. What would be the best way to have Jesus not go on the cross? Make it as miserable as possible, as much pain and suffering as possible. Finally, Jesus says, I can't take any more of this. Away with these. Call those 12 legions of angels and wipe these people out. Right? Guess what? Satan wins then. He wins. That's what he wanted. The last thing Satan wanted was Jesus to be on a cross because that's where God said it would be taken care of. It starts to make more sense when you start to see all of the alignment and the, the, the malignment of how Jesus was treated prior to him getting to the cross. Oh, yes, he was placed on the cross, but mark this. Why was Jesus on the cross? Because God wanted Jesus on the cross because he loved us so much. Now, if you think that Jesus Christ does not love you or anyone, then you've missed what happened at the Garden of Gethsemane from that point until he went to the, to the cross. All of that he could have stopped in a heartbeat, but he said, no, I'm going to do the Father's will. I'm going to do whatever's necessary for me to finish this task that is before me. That just, that is, that is amazing to me, the overwhelming agapao love that Jesus has for us. It is over the top, is it not? Ah, what would have you done? Just, just take, when the first guy that hit me, I'm saying, that's enough. You're, you're the son of God. Buddy, you're done. <laughs> you're done. I would have not healed Malchus's ear either. I'd say, uh, bad, you know, put your sword away, but... Tough, tough. You shouldn't have been here. You were in the wrong place. Too bad. Malchus, there's a new ear. Go, buddy. Go. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is the pinnacle of, of, this is the pinnacle of suffering. Yes, 
I can't imagine the, 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 the crucifixion. In fact, I was re I don't know how I got into it, but they said the most painful ways to die. And I don't know how they know that because I'm sure someone from death didn't come back to tell them. But just judging from the sense of the excruciating, in fact, that word excruciating, you know where that came from? Crucifixion. <laughs> that was still labeled in this last whatever, sur I don't know if it's a survey, obviously, but it's uh, somehow the most painful death known to mankind is crucifixion. Number one. Now, I'm not saying that wasn't painful, but for Jesus to contemplate what he was going to do, knowing in advance what was going to happen, and to be separated from God is the most excruciating, using that word, the most excruciating pain that one could even possibly imagine. And even in that height of that challenging moment of deciding that, I wonder how the disciples are doing. Oh, guys, you're sleeping. You, you got to pray. You got to pray, right? And he goes back and he's, he's respiring with blood. I wonder how those guys are doing. Because it says that. He loves us so much, I cannot describe for you how much He loves you. <laughs> I know if I switched places, I would not have went to the cross for people. <laughs> right? And these are ones that Jesus created. These are ones He knew before they knew they knew. I'll tell you what, and and someone says that God is not loving, does not get it. I just pray people get it. Judas's life, complete waste. How many people today are bound by the same things that Judas is bound by? Money. It's a big group. How many people are bound by the same things that the religious leaders are bound by? That's power. They didn't want Jesus because they just feared... If we do that, the Romans are going to they're going to get rid of us, and what will we do then? How about how many of us are bound by people like our, our problems like Pilate? Oh boy, if I don't do what they say, I'm going to get in trouble with Tiberius, and I'm out, and that's not going to work out. Right? Do you see how sinister sin is? It's no different today in near 2022 than it was right there in this last day, this last hours before Jesus was crucified, that literally those people have the same issues that we have today. Sin is so sinister. And that's, isn't that kind of nice how that ties together as well? Wow. But Jesus is his charge. Let's go back to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. Pilate, verse 2, we're going to go back to verse 2. Art thou the king of the Jews? That's a fair question. And Jesus answered unto him, Thou sayest it. In other words, I am. I am king of the Jews. The chief priest accused him of many things, and he answered nothing. In other words, if you can think about this, the whole Sanhedrin, the whole Supreme Court goes to the praetorium, and they're all, they're just, I mean, just, it's a screaming match against Jesus. He's just, he's there. I don't know if he's standing or, I, probably standing. And Pilate is, what, so what, what's wrong? And they're just screaming out different things. And Pilate says, well, what do you say? Nothing. He said nothing. In fact, to the point that literally Pilate was marveling. What is wrong with you? Why wouldn't you at least defend yourself? It fits what was written in the Word in Isaiah chapter 53. 
Then it goes on to say, Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Uh, behold, how many things they, they sing against you. Jesus yet answered nothing. So that literally, Pilate marveled. Now at that feast, he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. Now at the Passover, that was, a, that was something that was kind of a, sort of like, I don't know, showing Roman support for the Passover thing. And, you know, we've got, we've got a political prisoner, we've got a prisoner that's in, and you guys as a crowd, you know what he'd given up on? You know who he's going to now? He's going to the crowd. He's given up in the Sanhedrin. The Supreme Court, they are beyond hope from Pilate's perspective. They want Jesus' hide for no reason except envy. We read that earlier today. That's all they want. They just want him gone because they hate him. So he says, okay, I got an idea. Pilate has an idea. He says, now he, he's, look, he's grasping at straws. He says, well, we, got, we get to release one guy every year at Passover and... I think I'm going to use the guy we just snagged a little bit ago, this insurrectionist by the name of Barabbas, who killed somebody in the insurrection, and he's about to be, you know, the middle cross. I think he was destined for the middle cross. The other two guys on either side of him might have even been with him in this whole thing. And that's one thing Rome did not tolerate was insurrection. You got judged early and fast. It was over. And I think very briefly before this, Barabbas had been captured. He's there. So Pilate, using all of the wisdom that's afforded him from a human standpoint, he thinks, well, wait a minute. This has got to be the most despised, despicable sort of person. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'll give you Jesus, the king of the Jews, or Barabbas, the dirty, rotten, filthy insurrectionist who you all know should be killed. We want Jesus to be crucified. Give us Barabbas. Uh, <laughs> let me rephrase the question. <laughs> he could not believe it. He could not believe it. But you see, it's just like today. The things that we see happening in our world are so messed up that Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, woe unto them that say evil is good and good is evil. I just marvel at the things that happen on a daily basis in the news. It's just it's too much. I can't even take very much of it. Uh, that trade in Russia, I'm, 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 I'm aghast. I'm aghast. We have military people that are left behind to someone that literally knows the rules. She played basketball there professionally for six years. Not, 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 not just an across-the-flight trip. No, no, six years getting a million dollars a year and has illegal substances in her luggage. She knows that, and we get her and we leave the Marine behind. I'm furious. But it doesn't matter if I'm furious. And Pilate, he got the wrong answer too, didn't he? How could you... What are you people thinking? How could you take the blameless Son of God and crucify Him? Right? (laughs) He's trying to get out so badly. But you know what? Because of all his earlier sins, he is being held captive by the religious leaders. Either that or he's going to have to give up what he already has. That's why politics in the United States has got to end the way it is. Everybody's held hostage. That's why right is right and wrong is wrong. That's why the question we must ask, what is truth? What is right? Now, I, can't, I don't have time today to look at it, but I'm not sure we won't take next week. Let's see, we have one more week before. What, when is Christmas? How many Sundays away? So we'd have, okay, good. Because I, I think next week, which is even more profound, I, I'm look, we're looking at stuff that's 2,000 years ago, and I cannot tell you how relevant it is for us today. Here's Pilate. 
he's basically agnostic. He doesn't believe there is truth. Jesus says, I came for... In fact, we've got to find that. Let's find that passage. I think we'll find it in John. I've got to find my glasses first. I ditched those over here. Let's go to John, and let's go back to the text we're reading. It starts in verse 28. John chapter 18. And let's start looking for this. Uh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Let's, let's take a look. Verse 35. John chapter 18, verse 35. John, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? What have you done? Jesus answered, verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. This is a spiritual kingdom, Pilate. Pilate therefore said unto them, Art thou a king then? He's, you know, he's just frustrated. He can't see anything. Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was born. That's the humanity part of Jesus. And for this cause came I into the world. That's the, the, the divine part, if you will. This is why I came. This is why God had to come to earth, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? And I have to believe it was just in a sarcastic, agnostic look. There is no truth, Jesus. And isn't that exactly right? Anybody of the truth, he couldn't hear Jesus because he wasn't of the truth. There's people today that don't want the truth. They don't want the truth. And we have the truth. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Now, I'll tell you, you can, you can look at a lot of Internet channels. You can look at a lot of news channels. You can look at a lot of stuff. And I'm going to tell you what. The amount of truth that's on it, conservative or liberal, does not matter to me. It is a joke. I want to go to the truth, the Word of God. And that's literally what Jesus Christ said. I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. By no man, John 14, which was actually recorded for us, just a few hours before, just after the Last Supper. Isn't that fantastic that that was recorded and Judas didn't get to betray him before? Right? All of this is just tying together perfectly. And then Pilate just blows it up. What is truth? You know what? That is a description of postmodernism. I think next week we're going to take a look at that, Lord willing, just really what's happened to truth in our nation. And Pilate with that just throws it off. Who cares about truth? Isn't that where we're at today? How many people do you run to? Who cares about truth? I have my own truth. I'll just live my life. I don't want to know about anybody else's truth. I just want to be me. You know what? That was the same 2,000 years ago. <laughs> and somebody says, the Bible's too old. It's, it's irrelevant. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's so spot on. It's so spot on. Well, they're struggling for accusations. They're tr struggling for reasons to have him killed. And Pilate's caught. Pilate is caught. Well, let's go back to Mark 15 because I want to see between some verses, we're going to have to go find another trial that takes place, if you will. Uh, Pilate is looking for any way to get out of this thing. And actually, it, between verses 5 and 6, we looked at Barabbas, but verse 5 says that Jesus yet answered nothing but that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner. Between those two verses, something took place. And let's go to Luke chapter 23 to find it. Luke chapter 23. One more idea that Pilate has to get out from underneath of this whole situation, he's going to employ. 
We'll come back to 23, Luke chapter 23, and we'll pick it up at verse 4. Verse 4. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. Okay? Now that should mean, let him go. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all of Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. Who is stirring up the people right now? <laughs> the priests are. And did you see the key word? Oh, I mean, I mean, Pilate is just, he's looking for anything to get out of this jam. And he hears the word Galilee. Verse 6, when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself was also at Jerusalem at that time. Oh, my, how convenient, right? I, can't, I can just imagine that, well, that was close. Man, I'm out of this one now, because Herod, he'll take over, because Herod's the guy that beheaded John. Herod's the guy that is kind of wife-swapping. He's kind of the guy that does whatever he wants to do. And I'm telling you, that was so close, I can't believe it. So then they probably take him down here, too. I still think, even though this is Praetorium here, I'm convinced that it's probably off the... I got new batteries learning me on this thing at some point. And the Antonio Fortress, they would have taken him back down. See this place right here? I'll use my fingers. And Herod Antipas's palace. That's where he was hanging out. That's where he's at. So... So Pilate says, let's just take him down to Herod's house. Good idea. Got it. And Herod, he's all about it. He's all about it. It says in verse 8, Luke chapter 23, When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle, some sign done by him. He wanted to see. In other words, it's kind of like a professor in a college that says, I don't believe there's a God. I want him to go ahead and just do something right now because I said I want him to do something right now. God doesn't work that way. Jesus didn't work that way. The only time, did you remember when miracles happen? When there's catastrophe or compassionate act. That's when Jesus, it's the very same thing. It's the very same thing. So Herod just wants him, he's, he's got him on display. Herod wants to see what he can do. Then he questioned him, verse 9, in many words, and he answered him nothing. The chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently, in fact, Get this. Get this. Now the chief priests are kind of concerned because Pilate's palming this guy off. So they follow us this rampage mob riot down to Pilate's, or to, uh, to uh, Herod's house, and they do the same thing. Oh, this guy needs to die. He needs to be crucified, and he's trying to take you out. You can just hear the screaming fest. And Jesus is answering nothing. What does Herod do? Well, Herod does this. Herod, with his men, verse 11, of war, men of war, set him at naught, or set him out, kind of on display, and mocked him, arraying him in a gorgeous robe. Now, you know, I've, if I say, what color robe did Jesus have on, what do you guys say? Purple. Let's see, that's what I was said? He had two. This is not purple. This is white. This is the one that he got before he got his purple one. Now, again, keep in mind, let's get the picture, the appearance of Jesus as he would have been to Pilate the first time. He goes to Herod. What does Jesus look like? Tough, really bad. He's been beaten for two hours, endured. This is trial number five, basically. He's standing before a guy that is trying to make complete fool of him. And that's why they make sport as they put on this gorgeous or this... Remember when it was Herod... That God just destroyed it because he looked like a, it was like the shining. 
He had a brilliant white, shining kind of, that's what I believe this was a white robe. Gorgeous robe. It does not say purple. Now, we'll find a purple robe because you're just like me. But that was after they had flogged Jesus, tore his back to ribbons, then put a purple robe on, and then ripped it off. So he actually had two robes. This is not the same robe. This is one that, this was for display purposes only. It was so they could make light of this king of the Jews. Oh, this is Jesus, the king? Do something for us. See, that just irritates me today when someone wants to sarcastically make fun of my Jesus. Who is he? Where is he at? I thought he was coming back. You know, Jesus himself did not revile back. He did not accuse. He did not say anything. He just took it. So now they're making fun of him. They put on this gorgeous robe, not the purple robe, but the gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. Oh, can you imagine poor Pilate? Because his wife, oh, you got to see this. You know about it. But let's go back to Matthew chapter 27. Turn back to Matthew 27. And I've got to figure out where that's at. Um, uh, verse 19, let's try that. Matthew chapter 27. That's because there's a part of the other part of the family that is concerned as well. So let's go to, let's see. When he was set, verse 19. Oh, uh, just look at verse 18. Verse 18, Matthew chapter 20. In case there's any question you're wondering, they've brought Jesus because they said he, he's an insurrectionist, because he's trying not to pay taxes, because he wants to be king. He knew, this is, this is Pilate, verse 18, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down in the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just or righteous man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Oh, Pilate's, Pilate is living a nightmare right now, right? His wife even sends this, you know, if you're in a position of a judgeship and you're kind of important, what, run this up to Pilate. You've you got to take this note. Take it up to him. And he's, What? What? <laughs> she had bad dreams about what he was going to do to Jesus. Well, you better believe it. You better believe it. And here, can you imagine the entourage coming back from Herod Antipas's palace back to Pilate? Oh, no! Right? Pilate was just in a meltdown. I know he was. He has tried to get out of this. But you know what? He's just as guilty because he could have taken it and said, no, I will not execute an innocent man. I will not do that. But watch how he even compromises. Let's keep going. Let's go back to, to Mark, chapter 15. Actually, what, where did I leave yours? In? Let, let's just let's, let's keep going. Uh, here we go. This will work. Go to Luke, Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, because that's where we're at with Herod. Okay, Herod's, he's, in fact, I want you to see this in verse 12. We didn't read this. Verse 12, verse 12, Luke chapter 23. He's sending him back to Pilate, and verse 12, the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. And I told you about that, that, that Pilate overstepped his bounds and actually um, made Herod look a little bit foolish. But you know what today is? They both think Jesus is a joke, and they're friends because of it. Look at verse 13. Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I have examined him before you and have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof you accuse him. No, 
nor yet Herod. Now, he's even using Herod as a witness for him to say there's two witnesses that say this man is innocent. Nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. What, what do you have in your version of jury? I have chastised in the King James. What do you have there? What do you have? Chastise. Just chastise? Punish. Punish? Anybody else? Is that it? Okay. Now, wait a minute. Hold it. Stop. This sounds like our justice system. What are you punishing him for? He's innocent, right? Why are there people in jail today? Because they're following God. I don't know either. <laughs> but that's how, that's how Pilate says, you know what, maybe, maybe if I beat him, if I, and that's the word is flogging, that's what's going to happen, which is horrific painful. In fact, here again, I don't know how Jesus withstood it. But here's another deal, though, because he would not die. And people could die from flogging before they got to the cross. But that was something that was not in God's plan. Jesus would not die of flogging. He would not die of stoning. He would not die of anything except hanging on a cross that his blood would pay for the sins of all mankind. That is fixed in stone. But why does flogging Jesus seem like a good idea? Only thing I can think of is that Pilate said, wait a minute. Maybe the people will have some mercy if they see him in a torturous, painful situation. And all it did was made them more rabid. They were crazier yet. In fact, it was right to the point he finally just turned them over to them. I can't get that. I, I'll be honest. As, as, as evil as the heart is and as easily turned... Monday, he was king. Friday morning, just before 9 o'clock, there's a riot that would have formed if they didn't crucify the one they crowned as king on Monday. How can this be? Sin. It's the same sin that you and I face today. It's the same one. Plural, but you know, you know what I'm saying. It's not just. But isn't it interesting as you take each one of those characters in this story of Jesus' last week, <laughs> it's the same sins that beleaguer us. Peter, what was his greatest sin? Pride. Just owned him, didn't it? Just owned him. And yet it was so, it was so for me, comforting to go back to the epistles that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Peter was so cool, wasn't he? You talk about a humble servant of God and seeing the, the, the need to pray fervently and cast your care on him for he careth for you. And watch out for Satan because he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I was reading in the other, the other, and then Jesus saying, guys, 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 listen, you have to pray. That's, how you, that's how, what keeps you from falling into temptation. Pray, pray, pray. I got to go back because I'm really in a big war over here. Pray for me, right? And he goes back, guys, you're falling asleep again, right? Remember what Paul wrote to Timothy. Flee youthful loss and pursue righteousness. That word is pursue. Men or women, if you're married, do you remember how you... What's the right word? I was going to say attack. It's not the right word. How did you approach your girlfriend or boyfriend at the time 
you know what? I'm going to tell you, you pursued that person, right? You didn't flee from that person. You pursued that person. That is literally what Paul is telling us, telling Timothy. Run away from the wrong and pursue what is right. Isn't that good advice? I was reading it again this week. and I thought, That is so good. You know, some have said, you know, you have dogs of the same size. Which one gets the biggest? Well, when you feed the most. (laughs) It's so simple, isn't it? And yet, sin is wanting you to cling to what is evil, stay away from what is good, and the secret to success is praying constantly. And that's not to take a, you know, a kneeling, bowing position 24 hours. That's not what praying is. Praying is talking to God just as we are right here. We're talking to God right now. We're bearing our souls. We're, we're opening up to, as we praise and worship Him and we're reading His Word, that He is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives in you. When you enter into that text and you've prayed and you've read the Bible, guess what? It happens constantly with me. Now, whether I take it is my choice. What am I going to yield to? Do you know what? It's usually a verse will come to my mind when there's that temptation. There's a verse that pops in your mind. Where do you think that comes from? From the Holy Spirit because you've read the Bible. And it just... Yep, that's right, that's right, he, because he makes a way of escape. And if you choose not to take that, that's not God's fault. And you look at all of these players in Jesus' last week, his last day ultimately, and you know what you see? Another opportunity for every single one of them. Pilate was given multiple opportunities by Jesus Christ on that very moment, on two different occasions he stood before him. Not Jesus standing before Pilate. Pilate standing for Jesus, because Pilate got kind of pompous a little bit. He said, don't you know that I, could, I can have do anything I want with you? And Jesus responded, he said, the only reason you're even here is because of the power given on high. Right? I just look at those men, and they're no different. It's easy for us to get labels. It's easy for us to look at the, at the Israelites wandering through the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't get faith right. They couldn't pick it up. And they wandered for 40 years and died there. You can miss the murmuring and all of that stuff. But we're no different if we're not praying, if we're not engaged in pursuing. That word I want you to get this week. I'm going to actually write it on the board. Pursue righteousness. Pursue. And that's what came to mind. I read it this week and I was just thinking, wait a minute. When, you know, when a boyfriend, girlfriend, you don't run from them. You pursue them. Isn't that true? Pursue. Let's pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness. Ultimately, Pilate caves. He has full control of the Roman military. He has everything needed, but he caves. Because the, the priests, the, Roman, the Jewish people, really have him right in the palm of their hand. Because this isn't the first time that he's been in trouble with them. And he, they say, you know what, if you don't give us, you're no friend of Caesar's. They'd already went to Caesar on a couple different occasions. And Pilate had to relent. He was really in probably hot waters it was. He only lasted six more years at the most before finally Tiberius said, enough already. You, you are, you're just a problem. I've got to make you go away. So he puts him on an island and ultimately Pilate kills himself. What do we do with this? 
I'd have to say that the question that Pilate asked is the most important question for anyone else, anywhere, all of the time. Back in Mark chapter 15. When they were, verse 11, with the chief priests, this is Mark 15, verse 11, the chief priests moved the people. They were stirring up the people, honestly, that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said unto them, verse 12, What will you then that I should do with him who you call the king of the Jews? Now the answer that they gave was seems more over the top. It's more resentful. It's more amazing than we can possibly. Because they responded, crucify him. But literally every single person living will have to ask that question. What will I do with Jesus? Now, you don't have to say crucify him. You can just say, I don't want him. And it's the same. Because he was crucified for our sin. And I've went through, I've tried, I've tried to paint this mural, if you were, of the, of the Bible of how many times Jesus could have finally enough of this. Father, we've got to come up with a different way. Let's start over. But do you know why they couldn't? Why he couldn't? Because it was in the Bible. And when there's something in the Bible, that happens. There is a hell. There is a heaven. There is a God. There is a Savior. And he was crucified for you and for me. That's the truth that we need to spread across the world. Because that's what Jesus wanted it to be done. I, again, I can't imagine that daunting. It happened about 40 days later, maybe 42 days later. But Jesus gathered up the remaining disciples. There was 11. And he said, it's you guys that I want to, share, to spread the gospel around the entire world. You 11. And I look now 2,000 years later and uh, just lost it. Who was who, the, the folks that were here? the uh, radio ministry, uh, Transworld Radio. And you think about how this world is being canvassed with something that so many tyrants have tried to snuff out, and that is the Word of God. That is the one thing Satan hates. And I will tell you, Satan will do anything to destroy the Word of God at every level, for any reason, for any time. But you know what? The Bible says it will never, never, ever vanish. That is great news. And to think of Transworld Radio or any of these other, the missionaries, those that are translating scriptures that are going across the entire globe. It started with 11 disciples 2,000 years ago. And the gospel is still the same. It hasn't changed. It's still the same. Jesus Christ died on a cross for sinners. He was in the grave for three days. He rose again to prove that once and for all, sin was conquered. That the prince of this world was defeated. And all I can say is, Thank you, God. <laughs> and I couldn't find it today, but somewhere in the Psalms, it's in the 50s somewhere, and I didn't have time, but there is something in there. David was writing, and he said, you know what? He said, it isn't that God wants burnt sacrifices. It isn't that he wants sacrifice. What he really wants is a thankful heart. That's what God wants. And that's the difference between literally Peter and Judas. They both failed miserably, didn't they? For different reasons. 
But there was a living faith that Peter had said, you know what, Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one that God sent to save me. Judas just wanted to have more stuff. And I'm afraid of people today that are walking this planet that want a Jesus that gives them stuff doesn't need a Jesus that gives them eternal life. And my prayer is, may that person wake up. May we see Jesus at this season. We're kind of on the wrong side of the season, shall we say. I'm showing you he was walking. And literally, we would be right there at the crucifixion if we carry through on Christmas Day, you know, our Christmas message. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But God's going to take us where we're going to go. But next week, we're going to look at the value of truth. Because that's what America, that's the famine we're struggling with. Yes, there's going to be food shortages because of the fact that literally we have been given over to. We being the inhabitants of this earth. We have distrusted and maligned God for so long. I'm, Romans chapter 1, He has given us over to a reprobate mind. That's a mind that cannot think clearly. If you want to take the average person, they cannot think clearly today. Common sense is not common anymore. Why? Because we're not seeking truth. Truth has to be sought from this book called the Bible. That's where it starts. That's where it is. May we get that. <laughs> but you know what? I, again, I've tried really hard through this, this, I guess this study of Mark to show you the unwavering, unfiltered, unequivocally majestic, magnificent love of God. It is so deep, so wide, so amazing. I, there are no words for it. But everywhere you look at Jesus on His pathway, as He's dripping with blood from perspiring from the stress that He is making the right call, that love is in every single drop. And that's my Jesus. And that's your Jesus if you choose to choose by faith to accept the gift of grace. That, my friend, is a Christmas gift. Let's pray. Father God, your love is overwhelming. Your love is over the top. And you do know pain. Jesus himself, as his physical body wore and bore, the pain coming from men, from the crucifixion and before. But the pain that we can't even understand is a separation of, from God the Father and God the Son. As sin was being worn by the Son, you, His Father, could not look on Him, could not be with Him. That is beyond me. And yet... That choice was made before anything was made, according to Ephesians chapter 1, that you had determined that people would be saved through Jesus Christ. Father, it's a season when we can look at the birth, we can celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. He came for this reason. He came to be born at this season. It's the same today. 2,000 plus years later, the world is still needful of a Savior. The world is still needful of truth. Father, may you reach to the far ends of the earth in whatever means possible, 
whatever means that you see is deemed fit to bring more men, women, and children to yourself. May they be cognizant of their sin. May they see the fact there's no way they can save themselves. That the Bible, the source of truth, may it find them, Father. May translators go to a new level, a higher level of getting scriptures to those that don't have it. May the radio ministries that are translating Bible scriptures into, into lands of where there's deep walls and deep resistance and deep hatred for Jesus, that the source of truth would ring true and free through those thickest walls of physical concrete because, God, you are everywhere. We trust you. We believe in you. We thank you for your love and all that you've done for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his persistence, for his perseverance, for his following through completely to the end what was deemed as necessary to save mankind. We thank you. In Jesus' name.